0: Welcome to the Lipstick League, where sports and pop culture come to play. I'm Natalie Eganoff. And I'm Nicole Mahalik, and we have a
1: very special guest today. Here's why I'm really excited, because the last couple guests we had on have been personal friends of mine, and we have a personal friend of Natalie's, who obviously is a badass, because that's the only way that we're allowed to have people as guests. Yes. So
2: Taryn, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I told Natalie, like I genuinely listen. And the other day we were talking and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to watch myself because when I listen to you guys, I like in my head, like talk back, like that one meme where it's like listening to podcasts and that's just an advertisement (laughs) of people. And it's like, here's all my friends. Yeah. And I was like, I just have to watch what I say because I just feel like even though like I don't really know you Nicole, I've like known who you are for- yeah. forever, but um, I was just like, oh my God, these, these are like my people.
1: So. <laughs> well, Natalie raves about you too. And like, obviously when we started, it was like very football-y and we're like, you know, we need to start giving the hockey, the love. And she's like, well, yeah, like obviously Taryn will be on and you know, the whole, and I was like, okay. And then I even bought a brand new flyer sweatshirt. Oh, Target. look how cute this is. Oh, so yes, that is really cute. so cute. At Target, they, like it I know at Target, they had it. So I figured I'd wear it. Um, you for the occasion for the okay, even Thank though you
2: can't
1: see it, there's a little bit of it. Oh, wait, here's there's the
0: logo. Yeah. Can so i show you
2: actually what we got set. I mean, this is probably like a bad visual. I have it right here. <laughs> so have you guys heard of the, the Twitter account fake Coatsy? who pretends yeah. to be Yeah. So so okay, so this is a fun story. So when Scott and I, it was one of our very first shows and fake Coatsy tweeted at us and was like if you can get Scott to say this thing on air I'll send you guys like a box of free t-shirts and it was like it it was it was funny I forget what exactly what it was but Scott saw it and he's such a you know he's such a champ so he was just like oh done deal you know intermission live second period we're doing it and then the other day we get a box fake Coatsy t-shirt
0: oh (laughs) oh my god that's amazing (laughs)
2: But that like is- I think this is a medium. And I'm like, I I'm a pretty I'm not a, like a huge super huge person, but I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna fit in this. But yeah, I no, almost wore no it. Point. And then I was like, that's a bit it's it's a bit aggressive. So I
0: <laughs> no, no, that's really cute. So for those um listening who are not in the Philadelphia area, Tyron Hatcher is the pre and post game analyst and host for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um former, I guess, sideline rinkside reporter for the Flyers, um, started her career in Hawaii. So wait, all right, why don't you start and tell everybody like how you got started in broadcasting? Because she also uh, double majored in political science and like this is why she's the most fascinating human. Um, so <laughs> yeah. started at the beginning and then we should tell um, how we became friends
1: yeah and start okay. like at the very beginning like you're from the area you're from yeah, the well, yeah area. right which is so, even better like, yes. you don't have to like I always joke around but like okay so what hospital were you born in
2: so <laughs> in <like>, Willingboro, <laughs> New Jersey the yeah. night before Christmas 1992 Cotton wait. Hatcher got to push in and your girl showed up jazz hands yeah
1: <laughs> wait your um, birthday's on Christmas? Christmas
2: Christmas Eve yeah oh my god fun
1: yeah I like it
2: some people hate it I am like say,
1: did you know. your parents always make sure that you had double presents and stuff?
2: Um, like, yes and no. Sometimes I wanted, like, one year I wanted a basketball hoop. And my dad was like, so here's the deal. Santa doesn't want to buy you a basketball hoop and, you know, 85 birthday presents because basketball hoop's expensive. Right. You know, or whatever. And um, And so, you know, I mean, but I never really... I think when there was a phase when I cared a lot, like probably like eight to 11 or something. Or right, like right, this, right. You know, terrible ages where you're just like a brat. And you're like, I'm getting shorted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my one aunt just used to be like, here's a present. It's very special. It's for both. And I would open it up and it was like a bath and bodywork set. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. You're like, thanks, Aunt Kathy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Cool, this is great. Oh my gosh, how'd you know I'm a warm vanilla sugar girl? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so I grew up in Delran, went to Delran High School, always knew, I mean, probably since I was like 10, I knew I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. Um, but like, I mean, I, I loved my experience at Delran Public Schools, but it's like a small school system, didn't really have a lot of um kind of like opportunity to dive into it there. And then when I was looking at colleges, I knew I wanted to intern in Philly and I knew I wanted to intern in New York because I have no family connections to the business. So if you hear the name Hatcher and you think Darian Hatcher from the Flyers, we are not at all related. Um, Would have loved that nepotism, but- Or um, Terry
1: Hatcher from from Desperate Housewives. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think think if you look at a picture of Darian and me and Terry, I pull Darian more than I pull Terry. (laughs) It's okay. but yeah, so then I went to Rutgers because I figured it split the difference. Um, my freshman year, my the dean of the journalism school was just like, dude, double major. Like, just do it. It's not going to kill you to do it. And um, it'll only help you in the long run. So I became a political science major as well. And there was like a hot second where I thought maybe I would go down that path. Um, and then while I was at Rutgers, I was lucky enough to intern actually at um, – at iHeart. It was then Clear Channel in Philly. Yeah, where? Uh, like out in Vallecolid. I you was out didn't? there. Yeah, I yeah. didn't,
0: I didn't know this either. I just found this Wait, out. what year?
2: Um, summer of 2013, maybe.
1: Wait, so I was there then. Who did you intern with?
2: With, uh, <laughs> with Mina Say What? <laughs>
1: you did?
2: Yeah. Did
1: you come into the, in, in the morning?
2: And I begged, I begged to get put on, like, um, well, I really wanted to be on 104.5 because that was the alt station. Yeah. And I was, like, in college, and I was, like, a poli-sci major. And, like, I listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> so, like, put me on the alt station. Yeah. Um, and they – yeah, and then I, I kind of ended up getting moved later on. But, yeah, I also didn't – that was, like, the first – internship where I was like figuring out what you can and can't do
1: I wish Um, I would have I was there then that's when I was Nick the web chick and I was doing mornings on mix and I was in charge of all the socials but Mina oversaw the socials for power and DAS I mean obviously I'm sure we passed across but I wish I would have been able to scoop you up and been like (laughs) because I loved having interns Mina yeah so much I
2: was like like, scheduling like I, I just remember kind of being like because I did it because it felt like it was a great opportunity to like get into seeing broadcasting in any yeah. way, shape or form in Philly. And I thought, you know, this will look good on my resume and everything else. And I I never really thought about radio. Like I never really considered it, but I was just like, Hey, this is a great opportunity, really competitive. And they didn't hire that many interns and whatever. Um, and then I got there and I was like scheduling social posts and yeah. I was like, oh man, this intern stuff is like really not glamorous. (laughs) It's not. No. And then, uh, yeah. And then I went from there and I interned at Comcast Sportsnet, which is now NBC Sports Philadelphia. And actually that internship is how I ended up getting my job back here. So if you, you know, for people who listen, who think, how do I get into the field? I always tell people it's tough now, but like internships are.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like they're such a connector if you don't have. Like family in the business or friends in the business or whatever. And then I interned up at CBS2 in New York and made a bunch of connections up there too. And that's actually how I got connected with my agent now was through, I was at CBS, Bruce Beck is the sportscaster for NBC4 up there. And Bruce Beck saw me trying to tape for demo reels. Like they would let me do Cause I would, I mean, I would show up on off days and like just like do extra work. And so they would let me do basically fake standups and they would give them to me for my demo reels. And Bruce Beck would be out covering all the same things as me and he would see me do it. And then he started to like, even though he's from a different station would like give me tips about like, stand with one shoulder forward if you want to look powerful. And like this, that, you know, flirt with the camera, you know, all kinds of weird stuff that I like was just standing there. And I was like, welcome to Madison square, you know, stiff as a board. Yeah. And, um, and then Bruce and I ended up staying in touch. And years later, he ended up setting me up with my now agent through his agency. So um, I always just include all this crap because it's like, it, it really is. It's these things where when you're like super poor and super broke and super tired, that you end up, they come back to you, I think a lot of times and the payoff can be there if you put in the work, um, but yeah, that was a trip. Cause I just remember being like, especially when I was going to New York, those train tickets from Rutgers to New York were like $33 a day and it was an unpaid internship. Yeah. And, um, and so, and I like made some decision at some point in college where I was like, I'm gonna graduate early. No idea. I mean, I do know why, but it was like kind of dumb, and um, and well, so I was I like, say it
1: was dumb because you have to be smart to graduate early. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> but I was like, don't sell
1: yourself short.
2: <laughs> I was like, um, I just I always thought to myself, if everybody's graduating in May and all of their reels are going out into the world in May, why would I graduate in May? I'm gonna graduate a semester early and graduate in December. And then I'll have less competition and I'll be more likely to get a job. Whether or not that had anything to do with anything to this day, I don't know, but I stuck to that plan and I got a job like immediately out of college. But I just remember, like I was taking like 21 credits of classes, which is a fair amount of classes. And then we yeah. interesting at Chickies and Pete's when I wasn't interning and then interning. And then it was just like four months of just being like, just burnt out. Yeah. But I remember being like, this, I feel so important. Like, this is so important. Like, this is what it takes. This is what it makes the ball roll. And then, you, get, yeah. you know, you get going. And um, and then, yeah, so long story long, it was nuts, but it ended up being, you know, super pivotal in my career. And then I ended up getting hired by Rutgers to do stuff for their men's and women's basketball team and their football team. And then Big Ten Network, Rutgers just moved into the Big Ten Conference, Big Ten Network kind of didn't have a ton of talent hired in the area. So even though I was a student, they started hiring me to do sideline for their games. And then I put a reel together and then I sent it everywhere. And then, yeah, I ended up in Honolulu, Hawaii and I was there (laughs) for three and a half years. That's amazing. And then one day my old boss from NBC, Michelle Murray, called me and she was like, do you have a reel? Do you have an out in your contract? You know, and I sent it to her. Um, but even like the whole time I was out in Hawaii, I was in touch with like her and Marshall Harris and Derek Gunn, like a bunch of people who were still at NBC Sports Philadelphia. So I tried to make sure I was like, I don't know if I was being annoying, but I was trying to be on people's radar. And then I ended up back here, and then say la vie. Now I'm doing what I'm doing.
1: Okay, so here's here's a, I have a couple questions. So first. Did you always have, because Natalie and I talk about this a lot and it's why we connected and I'm and I'm assuming it's the same for you, but like you obviously had that thing where like you just wanted it so bad. And do you feel like you always had that or did you feel like there was a point, because I felt the same like when you talked about the train tickets, I did an internship. I was at Drexel and I would go two or three days a week to New York. So I'd take the train from 30th street to Trenton, switch trains and go from Trenton to New York, and it was a, you know, an unpaid internship, and I paid, you know, 30, I, I couldn't afford Amtrak, so do you, did you feel like you always had that, and then were you apprehensive to move to Hawaii, or were you just like, let's just go?
2: Um, I think I've always had it, like, since I was a little kid, I've just, I'm competitive by nature, like, yeah, And it's not even like I want to beat people. It's just like, I want to, whatever the goal is, I want to get there. Like that's that kind of competitive. Wait, what's
1: your sign? Oh, wait, you're a Capricorn.
2: I'm a Capricorn. So one of my friends in Hawaii was like, like all into reading charts. Like she would get your, you know, your longitude and latitude of your birth and your time and everything. So I'm like Capricorn, sun, Capricorn, moon, Scorpio rising. Wow. I know, um,
0: right? Wow.
2: (laughs) That so I'm is, like an, that's I'm like a boss
1: tendencies right there. <laughs> yeah. Know.
2: It's just like, it's like a, like a workhorse who's just every once in a while just like pops off. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: A <laughs> lot of lists. You make a lot of lists. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. if I, I wish
2: I brought my flyers post game <laughs> notes cause there's like, just like, you know, everything is there. Yeah. My Apple calendar and my phone is like, you know, just packed and it's, and if someone asks me if I can do something, even if I'm tired, I'm just like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Like, just yeah. give it to me, just let me do it. And then once I agree to it, I have to like control it, start to finish. Like, I have to do every part of it. So, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, I just like since I was a kid, was super, super goal oriented. And I know you guys just talked to the Lamoureux twins. It's it's interesting when I talk to them because whether I ever would have been good enough or not, like. I loved soccer before I had a bad injury. I was like recruited D one for soccer and, you know, but it was always kind of like a placeholder goal because there was no, I'd watched the Philadelphia charge my whole early childhood and then watched that league fold and then make new leagues and whatever. And there was so right. much instability that like, that was never really the dream broadcasting always was. Um, so once I got to Rutgers and it was kind of like, okay, now you can, you can do whatever you want to do with it but it's entirely on you to do it. I was like, perfect. Like, let me get in the driver's seat of this car, fuel it up and take it wherever I got to go. And then I remember being at Rutgers and like, there were kids who had insane internships at Rutgers. Like I knew this one girl who interned at the today show. And I remember thinking like, how am I ever going to get hired? If I'm just interning at, you know, I love NBC sports, Philadelphia, but if I'm interning at a regional sports network and she's interning at the today show, like, And, um, but I just always, I didn't ever want to beat anybody. I didn't ever want to push anybody down, but I always wanted to finish first. Yeah. And I always, my whole motto was always like, if you put my resume next to anybody else's, I just want it to be such like a non debate about who you're picking and whatever I have to do to get there. Like I'll worry about sleeping on the weekends or something like I'll figure it out. And even a few times my parents were like you can't do this. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to be miserable. And I did, I mean, I just like, there were a lot of times where like, I kind of would sleep like four hours or so a night. And then on Friday, if I had like the day off from class, and then I was waitressing at chickies and peace at night, I would just sleep Thursday night. And then all the way through the day, Friday, and then just go to work and kind of, but that's the thing is like when people sit here now and it's, it's just dove off the it's water off the dove's back every time anybody says anything to me now about like, Oh, I wonder how she got her job or she's just this, or she's just that. It's like, I don't really care about what you have to say. Everybody who knew me in college could tell you everybody who knew me in Hawaii could tell you everybody at CBS two could tell you everyone at NBC sports, Philadelphia could tell you like, it, when you really put in the work, I think in the end, even though it kind of sucks in the moment, it makes you feel better about it. And I honestly enjoyed it. Like something about being burnt out, but knowing I emptied the tank was like super worth it to me, which is probably a little like like enjoying self-inflicted harm. But I didn't mind. I
1: think you're so right because I say that a lot. Like one of my really good friends um she likes was like wow like you really did like work your ass off and then she's like remember every weekend and so I was graduated Drexel and then I was working as a receptionist from nine to five because I wanted to be on the radio so every weekend I would drive back and forth to Lancaster and then I was still on the promotion crew so I was basically working three jobs and but I loved it like I didn't feel like it was burnout do you know what I mean because it was just like what I wanted to do and I knew that that's how you get there And I think too, when you made the comment about people like, oh, I wonder how she got to where she is. It's, it's the integrity, it's your integrity and your work ethic that other people see people on the internet don't see that, but people that you worked with and yeah, it's all about your relationships. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, and when you intern and you make really good connections and you have a great work ethic with great integrity, people want to help you. Well,
0: and And I, I feel like, and also when you think about it. It's just, like, Taryn came back to Philadelphia. What year was that? Like, 2017? 2018. 2018. So it's like, she comes back on the scene, but, like, the world doesn't know, and they don't know this about any of us, is that there's years and years and years and years of work that went into just getting back here. Here, yes. It's it's just, like... And people don't recognize that because they think that it's just like, you just like walk into this opportunity, right? Like, right. so when I got to the Fanatic in 2016, people thought that that was like my first thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, there's years and years and years of shit, you know, that I did before this. And it's yeah. like, people don't recognize, but that's like with any profession, right? But I feel like in ours particularly, because it's, there is not one straight track to get there. Yeah, at, it's like people don't realize that it starts. It doesn't just start when you start that job. It started like 10 years prior when you were at Rutgers and you're like, OK, like it started the moment you were like, how do I get there? Like, how do I plan this? You yeah. know, like, it started way before when you were at iHeart. I like, that's when the journey like starts.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember talking to like when Natalie, when you and I really first hit it off and you were like, yeah, like I was working at a, at a hospital and trying to like get my foot in the door. And yeah. I was sitting there like, this is the thing that, you know, I don't expect anybody to know. I don't even really expect anybody to care, nor do I expect anybody to like me, but don't ever question like the foundation yeah. by which I got here because like my tape out when I went out to Honolulu and I know people are like, Oh, it's Hawaii. Like it's beautiful. And this, that, and the next thing, but like my, it was just a cattle call. Like my tape was sent out along with like 120 other tapes and the other people had, I'm sure had like one market under their belt, but I had already worked at big 10 network, which is considered like a national network.
0: Yeah. And
2: they picked me and then I went out there and I left every single person I knew and moved to a place that I had never been, where, by the way, there's like a whole nother language involved in doing the broadcasts that me as a white girl from New Jersey better know how to say before I go on television. Otherwise, it's like it's not just like a bad look, it's disrespectful. And so it wasn't really it was a tropical island in the middle of the ocean and it was beautiful and the people were kind like I'll never complain about that part but like, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination for six months. I was like, checking flights home. Yeah. Can I get back to Philly? Like I was so homesick. So yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like all of us, when I was on Andrea Helfrich's podcast, we were talking about it. It's like a lot of the like bad vibes are so external. And then like us internally, every time we meet someone, we're just like, Oh my God, like, you're just like me. This makes me feel at home. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: so, and that's, what's funny. So Tyron and I, I feel like we connected because she would, you know, how I like spa- have sparred with people on Twitter, like forever. Like that's just yeah. my style. So like people would be like talking shit to me and I'd be going back at them. And then out of nowhere, she would just come in and like we like a haymaker <laughs> like and we had like never formally met each other but like you know she starts at NBC Sports Philadelphia you know I start following her she follows me back and then like all of a sudden like I don't even know it was just like certain topics she would be like actually and just like come in and back me up and I was like yes and then like I was like oh my god her tweets are so funny I was like this girl is amazing right so then I saw her in La Cologne and I was like Oh my God, it's Taryn Hatcher. So I was like, like, hi, Taryn. Like, um, I know that we're kind of like Twitter friends, but like, hi, it's me, Natalie. Like, And you know, anybody who like is in sports broadcasting, you know, like we just like had, there's just like an instinctual like bond, I think that you have because we all have this common interest interest in like wanting to be in sports. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, no, we became friends and the rest is history, but then we realized how much more we had in common because she's from Delran, which is like, hop, skip, and a jump away from Northeast Philly. It's oh.
2: Northeast Philly adjacent. Like yeah. half my yeah. high school, their parents are from Northeast Philly. Yeah. And like, yeah, Northeast Natalie Philly. And our, I was saying the other night, Natalie and my life are parallel lines that are just like going in the same direction on yeah. along the same timeline.
0: Yeah. We, and we have like, kind of like, we have a bit of like the same like mentality and like attitude when it comes to stuff, which I just think is like hilarious. We're like, be nice, or we'll like cut you. Yeah, you know, like it's like
2: that. <laughs> Confrontation. Don't threaten me with a good time, baby. I'm here. I,
1: I always said like one of the one of the things I love about Natalie was when because I used to listen to Mike Messinelli when I was still at iHeart, and her tweets are amazing. And I'm always like, God, I'm such a bad. I'm so bad with comebacks. Like she's so good at it. I'm always like your mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, <laughs> I'm just not Twitter savvy. I'm way better on Instagram stories than I am on Twitter, but you know, we all have our, we all have our things. But before we talk about hockey, talk a little bit about what, what was Hawaii like and what's the sports scene like in Hawaii? Oh
2: my God. Hawaii was awesome. We're probably going back this summer. Cause I wanted to go back this past summer and then obviously yeah. like, you know, 2020, um, Hawaii was awesome. I'm wearing my Lion Coffee Hawaii shirt now that I wear all the time. Um, it was great. Like, it was definitely really hard at first. It's definitely, like, very isolating. And if you don't really, like, jump in full throttle to, like, create a life there, I can see how people get isolated. I was lucky that I made really good friends kind of somewhat early on and that their families, like, took me in. It's called Hanai family. It's, like, when, uh, like, an island family kind of, like, adopts you. Mm-hmm. So I always had a place to go for holidays and birthdays. Yeah. Um, the sports scene was really cool, to be honest with you. Like I, there's a few things. First of all, so when I first got there, the Pro Bowl was still there. And it was there when I first moved there. That's um, cool. And then the PGA and the LPGA tour both come to Hawaii, which was always fun to cover. Um, and then like the other massive thing really, other than – University of Hawaii sports is that like Hawaii is just like a crazy football place like people I guess don't really realize because it's I mean it really is like another country like it should in all fairness to Hawaiians like be another country yeah but they are so tapped into football NFL college and their high school football scene is like I mean I went to a state championship game and there are 20,000 people there so yeah yeah it's it's huge I mean and you look at the (laughs) people who come out of Hawaii, like whether they end up being NFL busts or not, but like Tua Tongo Vailoa, Marcus Mariota were, you know, Tua was becoming a five-star recruit when Marcus just won the Heisman, which was when I first got there too. Um, And so it was so much fun because Friday you were just covering Friday and Saturday, you were covering like every massive high school football game, which was really fun. And then, um, uh would play on saturday university of hawaii football play on saturday and then on sunday every single guy who has hawaii ties whether they played at uh or they were from hawaii or you know whatever um we would cover them we'd follow them around the nfl which was really great because i grew up very like philly first um i think when you grow up in a big regional market that just happens yeah and so being forced when I was at Rutgers it was a lot more like Philly New York but it's not really different because other than Jets like the Giants are in the Eagles you know division and everything else so um it forced me to pay attention to like Pac-12 football on Saturdays and you know all around the league on Sundays a bit more than I did before growing up um But uh, yeah, it was, it was really, honestly, it was really fun. And it was really cool because like women's athletics is also huge out there. So the University of Hawaii volleyball team is massive, um, which was really cool for me to see because I'd never really seen packed arenas. Well, I had Rutgers. I did for women's basketball. That's a lie. But um, like the women's volleyball team was a bigger deal than the men's volleyball team. And I, I had not really seen that a lot where, the women outdraw uh, uh, the men in the same sport yeah. in kind a of place. And then I covered a ton of surfing, which was sick. Like, wow. the surfing coverage was the best. I know. That's I'm really, so- I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm like calling my agent every day and I'm like, can you get me on the Tokyo Olympics? Can I please do the surfing? Because it's the first year surfing is going to be in the Olympics. Like,
0: yeah, that's going to be so sick.
2: I know I'm, I'm dying. I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen at this rate, but I've was been pushing up for it for years. I'm like, I know all the people from the world surf league. I've got a ton of contacts over there. Can well,
0: be, this you on, know. on this podcast, you know, we like to put, we like to manifest things into existence. Yeah, so put out the vibes. this is it. This is where you're telling the universe that you want to cover the surf, the, you know, the surfing in the Tokyo Olympics. So, yes. yeah. so and it's, it's already we're putting it's it out already, there.
1: It's already NBC. So it's like, hello. Yeah. I know, but it is so weird how the universe works out now that we're talking about this, but like, it's almost the fact that you had the opportunity to go to Hawaii. It forced you to really learn so much about all sports. Like, and if you just stayed in this region, it's a very football, basketball, baseball, hockey world men, 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 four, four sports. That's basically it. And so you, it, it really, it was almost like God, the universe, whatever you believe in, whatever our listeners believe in kind of pushed you and was like, Oh, we we have bigger plans for you. So like we're going to make sure that you know about women's basketball and you understand about, You know, women's golf, but like, we're also going to still cover the NFL. Like, it's just kind of weird how some things happen. I say that about, I never thought that I'd ever be in country music, right? Like, I was a top 40 hip hop girl, and the opportunity came,
2: and now I'm all ye fucking ha. (laughs) (laughs) So, like,
1: it's just weird how it works out.
2: Yeah. It's, I'm definitely like grateful for it on a lot of levels. I mean, It was because I was I had thought about staying and freelancing and continuing with Big Ten Network here for a while. Um, But it like it not only just the sports side of it, but like if people don't know your first market, especially when you're in sports, you end up shooting, editing. And I still write everything because I like to write everything, but um, you end up doing everything yourself. And then now when I'm doing shows, it actually helps me understand like how to most okay, so only pregame is scripted, everything else is not. And half the time pregame, like we just go like off the rails and we don't even yeah. talk about the words. Like the, the words in the prompter are really a reference point for me to remember what topic I'm trying to talk about in what place because sometimes they're attached to sponsored elements. But it allows me to understand why my producer has to go from here to there in this order, and why my director, you know, if I don't give him a verbal or physical cue, won't know to roll the music that bumps us into break, and, you know, certain things like that, and if I didn't have that experience, um, especially Hawaii News Now, it may be in that Hawaii market, but, like, Keahi Tucker, our one acre, was in D.C., Lynn Kuano our other anchor was an anchor in Dallas. Um, Our general manager was a general manager in Boston and San Francisco. And our news director was a news director in Boston as well. Like we have heavy, heavy hitters in that newsroom who just happened to be from Hawaii and they wanted to, you know, once they had achieved everything they wanted to achieve, they came back to work in Hawaii. So we ran at a really high level. I mean, we were just a really, you know, like a, just a top notch, newsroom in terms of what people expected how you put it out you know and what you were putting out um and it was such a massive help because when i came back i was just like i was a little not used to not having control of everything so that was an adjustment but i understood like how how the meat gets made really
1: yeah what who what
2: team do they root for in hawaii it's all over the place it's so interesting it's basically whoever was good when you were a little kid tends to be who you root for so like there's like a generation of Steelers fans and they're all the same age and there's a generation of Cowboys fans and they were all young in the 90s like there's there's just there's a generation of San Francisco 49ers fans and it was from when Jesse Stapolu who's from Hawaii played for the 49ers like there's the, now you know there were a ton of of um Oregon fans yeah college obviously when Marcus was out at Oregon and there's a ton of Dolphins fans that have popped out of nowhere now so and then a lot of the time the route for like LA teams or Vegas now that like Vegas has the Golden Knights and the yeah. Raiders a lot of Raiders fans too a lot of Raiders fans in Hawaii okay. but yeah, it kind of depends on who was good when you were a kid. Because I got there and I was like, why are there all these Steeler fans? <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. You're like,
0: this is so far from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was like, I mean, there's just connection there's something I'm missing.
2: The- <laughs> well, and there was Troy Palamalu, who was a uh, oh, Polynesian that, yeah. as well. Yeah. But I assume that's what the connection was. And my friend's brother-in-law, who's a huge Steelers fan, was like, I don't give a shit about Troy Palamalu. They were just good when I was growing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough.
1: So you get the call to come home, right? And so you did you hesitate or were you like, let's go?
2: No, I was at a Cinco de Mayo party and I left to cut my reel. Like I was in LA at a Cinco de Mayo party and I was like, hey, I got to get back was staying at my friend's apartment. I got to get back to your, depart- or your apartment and grab my laptop and like update my reel. Right. Send it out, um, which was probably ill-advised because I had had like two margaritas already that day and I was just like, you know, let's go. Yeah. But no, I didn't have any hesitation and it was interesting because before that, that opportunity, my last contract with Hawaii News Now that I signed, I was home here in, in Philly visiting my parents and I scheduled a time with Michelle Murray, who was the head of um, NBC Sports Philadelphia then. And I said, and I just basically asked her if she had some time to look at a reel and give me some contract advice. And she, you know, graciously took it and like allowed me to chat, gave me some time. And she was the one who advised me. She said, ask for everything. Ask for the money you want. Ask for every single out that you want. Ask for everything. And then they'll always choose like, I remember as a GM, when I say no, like, I always remember that I said no, and it weighs on me and it weighs, it's just a natural inclination for people. It weighs on them. So I went back to Hawaii news now, and I asked for the money that I wanted and every single out that I wanted, like regionals, um, anything in Philly, DC or New York, and then like Miami or San Diego, just cause were really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and they gave me the money I wanted and then took away all my outs except for Philly. So if I hadn't met with Michelle and she hadn't told me that, I don't know that Philly would have been included as an out in my contract. And so when Philly approached me with the job, the only way I was allowed to get out without like a financial penalty was because Philly was listed as an out in my contract. And so it all, yeah, it was really like, it was kind of wild. Um, And when I got hired at NBC Sports Philadelphia, I like remember telling her, I was like, thank you so much for like taking that meeting with me because otherwise I don't think I'd be able to come back and, you know, it sounds crazy, but I had been in Hawaii from like, basically like the day after I turned 22 until 25 and I was starting to get like antsy to come home. Um, and I loved it, but it was a
0: long time. And like, like those years are like, yeah not like formative years, but like your early twenties are just like, so like, um, you're still like young and fresh and like trying to like yeah. figure shit out. And like, here you are like all the way across the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just,
2: I felt like, um, like I didn't really have, I didn't really have my fun in college. Like I, college was really about getting to the next step for me. Like it really was, that was what I was yeah. all about. And I had, I got to have kind of my fun in Hawaii. Like I worked really hard, but I found a little bit more work-life balance and just every day. I mean, you could go for like an hour long hike in the morning instead of go to the gym and it was enjoyable. So I got to have my fun there, but I, I was like 25. I was like, listen, I, I want to be close to my family. I had only seen my brother cause he's in the military and he's stationed in Jacksonville beach. Like I'd only seen my brother once in like four years yeah. You know, I wanted to like settle down and find somebody, but be close to home, whatever. And I don't know that any of that would have happened if I didn't get that meeting. So there wasn't the hesitation to come home at all. No, but I think I knew, like, I'd really come to peace with that. Maybe it was time for me to try to get to the next step, like a few months before it happened. And then it came together and I was like, all right, I guess, I guess, you know, I got to put my money where my mouth is and actually take the next step. So worked out.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Um, all right. So obviously we got to talk hockey. So you didn't cover hockey at all. Did you cover hockey really in Hawaii? Like explain how that transition was for you and, and then we'll like kind of get into the nitty gritty of it.
2: Okay. Um, the hockey stuff was interesting because I grew up flyers first. We were a flyers first household. Like my brother, My brother was a runner, but my parents always thought it was important for him to be into team sports too, because he always wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And if you want to be in the military, you have to know how to work in a team, kind of all that stuff. And so he grew up playing hockey. And so we grew up watching a lot of hockey. He actually grew up playing at the skate zone where the Flyers practice now. So I spent a lot of my time as a child at the skate zone. (laughs) Um, And yeah, we watched a ton of of Flyers games because my dad, so my dad, okay. Sorry, I'm like Tangent City. Um, so we love it. my dad played college basketball. And so how tall, naturally how tall is
0: your dad? How tall is your dad again?
2: My dad's like six four. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where'd he play? What college?
2: He played at Ryder. Okay. Um, yeah. He played at Ryder. He was supposed to play at the Naval Academy as well. And then I think he was kind of like, I don't know if this is for me, and then ended up going to Ryder. Um and also because it was a full scholarship and quite frankly, he's from Riverside, New Jersey and wanted to go to college and his parents didn't have a ton of money to help him pay for it. So shout out to Jeff for using those basketball skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he played college basketball and you know, obviously he's like a, a middle-aged man and so now when he watches nba basketball he's like this is not the brand of basketball i grew up playing and i want you to he's play like college the, basketball so there's, I don't too, many buy- yeah. Yeah,
0: there's like, too many threes yeah like too many things i want
2: either we're watching college basketball or we're watching women's basketball in this house because he naturally wanted me to play basketball even though like i was not really that wasn't my thing <laughs> um and <laughs> so like like sixers we watched but it wasn't like huge in our house and eagles we watched because it was like what we did, but like Flyers is what we watched. Like we paid it, like we're watching every shift, who's on the ice, all of that. And then I went to Hawaii and yeah, like Flyers games come on at 1 p.m. and yeah. with the time change and I could really only get national games because as much as people think like you make lots of money in this business, I was dead broke. And yeah. so it's not like I could afford the NHL package. I could barely afford the internet right? and um, <laughs>
1: especially in Hawaii because Hawaii is so expensive
2: oh it's seven dollars for like a thing of orange juice yeah it's insane um there's there are a few months of like eating like baked beans for dinner like (laughs) my skin just like raged against me (laughs) um yeah but so it was tough because when I came back like I had followed them while I was away like I even have I feel like every year on the, on the opening, the season opener, I posted like a throwback Thursday. to like being in Philly for a flyers game. I was definitely like tapped in, but I couldn't actually physically watch most games. And so when I came back, um, I first got, so I wasn't hired as the ringside reporter. I was hired as a host and anchor, like to fill in on then Philly sports talk and NBC 10 and SNC Although some people who don't know what they're talking about have reported that I was a digital reporter, I was never a digital reporter.
0: <laughs> <Rocking> broad.
2: <laughs> um, Excuse me. Um. I'll yes, say
0: she won't. Well, yeah. It's
2: just like just I'll ask. Say it. Just Rocking ask me, I'm on. <laughs> Just ask. That's yeah. all. If you have a question, because your source doesn't know what's in my contract, so right. just ask. Um. So yeah. So I was well, hired. Why back
1: would to- a, Why would a white male Ask a female in sports for details. I don't know. They know know. all, don't
2: they? I don't know. know When like a radio personality has an out-of-the-blue claim, go figure. (laughs) Yeah. That's then confirmed by Derek Gunn because how else could it be true? And (laughs) I love Derek Gunn. So you don't have to talk to me about the legitimacy of Derek Gunn because I love him. Yeah. But I just sat there that day and I was like, woof. (laughs) Uh, An
0: out of nowhere report by some random, some rando. Nobody knows who she is.
2: Well, it's like, sometimes I'll say, I would say things on a broadcast, like I would get things, this is a different story than what the question you asked was, but like, there's times where I'll get something in an interview from a player. Cause like I went to morning skate and I hung around to get a one-on-one with a player or whatever, and I'll say it. And like the reaction to it is like, oh, I'm really curious to know if that's really what he said or whatever. And then Jim Jackson reiterates it two periods later and he'll credit me for it. JJ is so good about that. Like I give so much credit to all the guys I work with. Like they are, you want to talk about being at the forefront of like respecting, you know, your peers and their hard work. Like I feel like with the Flyers, we're really good about that. But then when JJ reiterates it later in the game, it's like oh what an interesting tidbit of information and it's like okay so then it's like bible and
0: you're like you're like i just said it because i was the one who got the information but why does why is it that he has to confirm it for it to be true i mean
2: yeah it's- i mean and that's where it's like i do get really thankful when jj goes as like it's a small thing but and i try to do it like jj shows me a stat i'm always like jim jackson you know pointed out this great stat But J.J.'s really good about being, like, as Taryn mentioned in the break, or as Taryn mentioned earlier in the broadcast, or, you know, or as Scott mentioned, whatever. And it helps because whether it's right or not, like, J.J. is a respected voice in this town. So as many respected voices build up other people's voices, the better off we all are. But sometimes I'm like, guys, do you think I just, like, pulled this out of my ass? What are you even, you know? Like, I have to see these players every day. If I make up words that they say, they're going to stop saying anything to me. So what are you talking about? But I digress. Um, No, let it
0: out. That's what it's here for. I I wanted to briefly, while we're on this, I wanted to talk about how you and I, we were just having this conversation because she was like, I see the shit that you got about Carson Wentz. She's like, and she gets the same thing with Carter Hart because she knows she's like, he's the supremely talented goalie, right? Like he's, he's the guy, like he's actually the future of the organization, but for whatever reason, I guess when Brian Elliott was in net, what, because it was last week. So what did you oh say? And everyone, and everyone was like, well, what? like Elliott's better. And it's like momentarily, but like, but Carter Hart's the guy, you know what I mean? And, and for whatever reason, they like first, like the fans just can't separate, or understand like the second level to like yeah like there's time there's time and place and like when Carter Hart's like not at his best like of course like Brian Elliott's gonna step in so you go, you go on
2: <laughs> yeah so it was after the Tahoe game and I think it was after the Tahoe game and I tweeted out because everybody started calling him like Carson Hart and you know you know wait Carter that's West. what I
1: said to Natalie I go. Um, is Carter Hart turning into Carson Wentz?
2: No. And I, like, I, no. And I always
1: will say, that's why I was so glad to have you on too. Cause like Natalie knows her hockey shit. Hockey's like the least that I know about. I didn't grow up with it. I grew up with basketball, football, baseball. Um, so I'm always kind of like, I always tread lightly and try to like, you know, so I was like, mm, psst, is Carter Hart turning into Carson Wentz? You know? And she's yeah. like, no. And, no. Uh, and so, yeah, I elaborate on that.
2: So I think it's recency bias as well because this is such a fresh thing in everybody's brain. Yeah. Um the here's okay, fundamentally few differences. Carson Wentz should be in his prime right now and was given a big giant contract that goes with that and is a massive cap hit to the Eagles even not being on the Eagles. Carter Hart is still in his rookie contract, doesn't even cost a million dollars a year and it's very much like goalies some goalies come out of the gates and they're phenomenal right away but it's pretty rare like it's not super common um and carter was really good early not saying he should win the vesna no one ever has said that but he had like when he plays a good game you say he's played well and i will never back down from saying he works super hard he cares a lot about hockey and the quality of his character is through the roof like huge community guy None of it's like a PR orchestrated thing. Like really, if he hears about some way he can help someone, he helps someone. Now, something about saying that about a person, apparently to some people, reads as though we think that they should win every single MVP award that has ever existed in the entire history of the National Hockey League, which is not true. He's not even the best player on this team. And he's certainly not the best player in the league. Um, or the best goaltender in the league, I should say. The problem is, is that with, so with goalies, it's such a tough thing as well. And I think this is the same conversation that sometimes you fall into with quarterbacks.
0: Which is why I say they're like, sorry, which is why I say that like Philadelphia's issue with both teams was it's always, since Hextall, it's been a revolving door with goalies and it's been a revolving door with quarterbacks since Donovan McNabb. Like those are the most pinnacle positions in sports. Yeah. Because, like, even if you think about, like, baseball or basketball, like, th- you don't need anybody as crucially, like, or as, cru- I don't even know if that's a word, as crucial as you need your goalie and your quarterback. Like, that's it. Yeah. And if they're not right, then, like, then your entire team is messed up. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you look at, like, now I'm getting, like, deep hockey talk, but if you look at, like, the Oilers up in Edmonton have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl yeah. rack up points and assists every night, but it feels like, I mean, recently they've been on a bit of a slump the last three games, but, like, on any given night they have, like, six points in a game, which most hockey players don't get six points in a game, like, ever Right? Um, in the NHL. And Edmonton still can't really be a contender for a cup because they have goaltending issues. So it just goes to show how important a goaltender is. Um, As
1: my dad always says, offense sells tickets, but defense, defense wins defense.
2: championships. So yeah. <laughs> Um, And it's true. And, uh, you know, Carter has had some bad games this season where he's played bad. He has really bad stats this season though. And a lot of them has to do with how bad the team has been in front of him. The problem is, is that you have with, especially with a position like a goaltender, that's so important. A lot of times you have two camps and it's like the Carter for president people and the anti-Carter heart-haters. Like, it's, it's just two completely thing, completely different things. And if I say, or even if, like, Brian Boucher, who played goaltender in the yes. National Hockey League, says, I'm not worried about Carter's stats. The Flyers have let up a lot of goals. A lot of those games have nothing to do with him, and he didn't have a chance on most of those goals. Um, he'll come around. He's 22. He'll, he'll grow up, and he'll get better, and everybody's not worried about it. Then all of the Carter Hart for president people are like, see, like, listen, and all the haters are like, she doesn't know what she's talking about, she's a Carter stan, Da-da-da-da-da. like this, that, and the next she thing. A crush she's like, no, on I'm you. Not. like Brian Elliott's <laughs> yeah. played better this season. I've said it a dozen times, but you don't listen when I say that. You only listen to me saying, I mean, when the Flyers lost to the Penguins on Tuesday and it was five two, Carter Hart had no shot. No shot on any of the goals, although the fifth goal was a mistake. He was trying to get off the ice to bring on an extra skater. And then the guy just lofted the puck kind of past them. And it was a mistake, but the, I mean, the team played horribly in front of him. But if you say that, which is acknowledging the truth within the game, you know, you, you kind of piss off one side or the other. And if you acknowledge that he's played really bad in certain games, which he definitely has, his angles look completely different this year. He said he played around with them in the off season. It seems like he looks smaller in the net. Like there's some issues there that he's got to work out. Then the, the pro, you know, heart people kind of get mad. And then the reality the situation is, is we, we have to talk about the goalies every game. Like we had literally sponsored elements about the goalies. So we have to talk about the goalies every game and acknowledging what they did in the game. is not like a long-term diagnosis of what they're going to do in their career. Um, but because I think it's like we were saying, it's like it's as important as a quarterback can be in football. Um, it it provokes just like really strong reactions from people. Well, and um, but I'm not worried about him. Like I'm really not.
0: Well, and it's like yeah, like how you're saying how the team when you acknowledge yes, like he's not playing well, but the team's also not playing well in front of him. It was like with Carson. He wasn't playing well but he was also playing behind a decimated offensive line yeah,
1: so it's yeah. like
0: so and it's the worst wide receiving core in the league yeah so it's, yeah. it's it's just funny how for whatever reason and when you're on the receiving end when you're the one giving the opinion and you're on the receiving end of people's like visceral reaction and their immediate reaction because they feel whatever way they want to feel about you know the pivotal person on the team you're just kind of like, why aren't you getting what I'm saying? Like, why can't you see that there are like layers to this? Yeah.
2: And I've, I've never given like a long-term opinion on any player, maybe except for Sean Couturier. like I've never given like a a kind of overall opinion of a player, especially a young player, because scouts will be the first person to tell you, like you try your best, you do your homework, but you never know what's really going to happen. Like you, you just, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, So I haven't even, like, we haven't seen Carter play a full season yet. So I don't know how anyone thinks that anybody's given a true opinion on whether or not he's going to pan out and be, you know, this savior that he is. But we can certainly say in a game that he stood on his head, that he stood on his head. If he played well in that game, I have to acknowledge what actually happened in the game. I cannot pander to the outcries of of random people. I have to acknowledge what's going on. And in some games, it's been that he's played really well. And in some games it's been that he's played really poorly. And in other games, it's been that the Flyers really need like a veteran top two defenseman. The problem is, and this is something that people, I think kind of forget as well in the weirdness of 2021, there's an expansion draft coming up and the Flyers have to be careful about what contracts they sign because like you can't protect everybody. And the Flyers probably already have three defensemen they want to protect, which would be Ivan Probrov, Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers. That would be my guess. So if you come in and you sign somebody and they want to be protected and they want a long-term contract and whatever, you have to part ways with one of those three players. There's a lot of things at play here because of the weirdness of this year and the Seattle expansion and everything in between. Um, but yeah, I don't think Carter's like career is over. I don't think he's having a good season. It'll be fine. Brian Elliott is having an out, insane, outstanding season. I can't believe at 35 years old, he's playing the way he's playing. I was
0: going to say, last night was, like, ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I mean, but Carter made some huge saves on Tuesday. Yeah. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, those those get lost in the rest of the kind of crappy minutia of that game. Um, But if you really look at the, the chances versus the stops from each game, I think you would be like, yeah, this sucks because – He probably could have played better Tuesday, but he probably deserved better than five goals. Um, So, you know, I'm not, Carter's not Carson. No one's paying him a bajillion dollars. His his teammates and him get along. So I, you know, that's not an issue. (laughs) So Um, that's where I'm at.
1: Okay, let me, let's go back for one second uh, because I love that you brought up how there's like Carter for president, and then Carter haters. And There's obviously Carson for president, Carter haters. You worked in the New York market. You worked in Hawaii. You're obviously working in Philly. You're from Philly. What is the difference? Because did you just see the quote that Jason Peters released yesterday about Carson Wentz, and he said, "There's no issue. It's Philadelphia, and it's a it's the toughest place to play, right?" And there's been I numerous- heard that's a lie, though. I, what? Heard, that,
2: I heard there were issues, but. You know,
1: yeah, well, the Chris Long, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins just did an amazing podcast where they talked about it at length. And they basically said, like, he's not a, he's like, we've played with a lot of locker room cancers. He's not a locker room cancer, but like, he needs to, he, weirdly enough, Natalie and I talked about this in like two podcasts ago about how he can't relate to players. And then weirdly, I
2: just listened to it the other day. (laughs) (laughs) But then, I was talking to Natalie about it the other day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But then Malcolm Jenkins was on Chris Long's podcast and they said the exact same thing. They were like, he needs to learn how to reach out. He needs to learn how to relate to players. He's like Nick Foles is magnetic and just would walk around the locker room and hang out with everybody. I was like, Oh, that a little, it was weird how we just all talked about it. But, um, So, but I'm, you know, my whole theory, and Natalie and I agree on 95% of everything, 99 really. But the one thing she, you know, she's in the media. I, the sports media, I think, and I don't think it's just the media. I think Philadelphia, the fans, the media in general, they're too hard on the players and the players can't handle it. And it's not warranted. Like if we were, if we are banging out championships every two years, then I'd be like, yeah, let's, you know, do it. Like be hard on them because it works. But we've had, two championships in like 50 years. So obviously the intensity and the scrutiny isn't working. So I'm curious from another market, like Hawaii and New York is, does this happen there where people have like, literally it's like pro Carter, I hate Carter. I love Carson. I hate Car- you know it's it's in every yeah. sport. We're
0: <laughs> like we, bipolar about people. Yes,
1: Ben Simmons <laughs> is another. I love Ben Simmons. I hate Ben Simmons. It's li- Bryce Harper. I love Bryce. I hate Bryce. Like it's literally in every sport, and I don't think it's as intense in other places. And that's why we keep talking to people in other in other markets and other cities, and they're all like, "Yeah, Philly's insane." But I'm curious being yeah. a sports reporter in you know in hawaii in new york elaborate on that a little bit
2: well it was one of the things when i was out in hawaii that got brought up to me all the time was like oh are you oh you're from like the philly area yeah are you a philly sports fan yeah like snowballs and batteries you know snowballs (laughs) and batteries (laughs) of people and whatever um i do think we're tougher here probably more so than anywhere else my guess is that if boston hadn't been good for like the past feels like bajillion decades that Um, Boston fans would probably be somewhat along the same line but Kevin Hayes so Kevin Hayes as much as he ended up last year being like beloved here in Philly Kevin Hayes was not I mean he was really a lightning rod for hate early in the season last year because he was not producing he just signed that big contract I think a lot of people didn't think that for that money he was kind of like a splashy enough name Um, but he ended up I mean he's huge for that locker room whether he's collecting points or not he's huge for that locker room but he had a really interesting thought on it because he played for the rangers before he played for the rangers then he was with winnipeg like super briefly before he was picked up by philly um and he said i asked him about all the hate that he was getting on twitter and he was like i don't look at any of it like sometimes my brother sees something like really funny or my sister they'll like screenshot it and text it to me and be like i know you like try not to look at it but this is kind of like a sick burn and um But he was like, I'd rather be here because the thing is in New York is there's so much going on. There's so much you can do and be interested in that people go to Rangers games sometimes almost to like be seen there or as like a social outing kind of a thing. And but they don't really know, like, who's on the third line. You know, they don't really know who the who like the third D pair pair is like. Right. They don't really know. And in Philly, they know. And not suffering through indifference is better than, you know, I prefer to suffer through someone, like, viscerally hating me than <laughs> someone to be completely indifferent to the team. Wait,
1: we say this a lot. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Yeah.
2: Because if they, if they hate you hard, they'll, they'll love you hard. Like yeah. And I think that's the thing you hear from a lot of people about playing in Philly. And if you look at a lot of the people who play for the Flyers for any decent stretch of time – a lot of them come back and live in South Jersey, like a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah. something about being in this area that like they like and being in the scene that they like. I mean, Scott certainly got plenty of opinions when he was playing right. for Philly right. and he loves it here and he kind of loves it. He's like, it, it. if you can laugh it off and navigate it, it's kind of awesome because it's very, at times it's really funny and it's kind of crazy. Um, I feel though, I like, think it's tough. I, do I think, think
0: it's Hockey players are, like, from Canada, the Dakotas. So, like, Philly's, like, Florida to them. So, that's why. That. <laughs> that's well, I mean, why. That. I always said that in my next life, I want to come back as, like, a Flyers alumni. Like, I don't even want to, like, go through, like, the whole playing period. I just want to no, be, like, yeah. I just want to be, a Flyers like,
2: alumni is a freaking. Like,
0: you are just, like, set up for life. And then oh. you're, you're, like, unofficial mascots. And you could just They get, like, take the best of
2: care of their former players. They oh. really do. It's
0: like. Just, it's, Did it's I ever tell you about the story with my brother, my little brother and Bernie Perrant? no so my, so my my dad you know my dad is like he still like lives and breathes like the broad street bullies and like my dad's like a huge ho- like hockey person and like that was his time like the 70s my dad was like in his 20s and like partying in ac and like discoing downtown and like li- like lived and breathed the broad street bullies in like,
2: collingswood
0: yes so he's <laughs> like so we were at like, we went to a Flyers game and my dad, anytime he sees Bernie is like, oh God, there's Bernie, right? So we, my, he says to my like little brother who's like 12 years old at the time, he's like, Bill, like, why don't you go on over and say hi to Bernie? And my brother's like, dad, I've met him like 60 times. He's like, he's like I know that you love Hello, Bernie, but
2: like- Bernie Perot, <laughs> Yeah, And
0: he's like, I don't have like the same, like joy every time I've seen Bernie yeah. because I've seen Bernie 75,000 times. Yeah. It's just like, they it's, just like have this like sweet, like existence where they're just like, re- like team representatives until the end of time. I'm like, that's what I want in my life.
2: Well, and it's cool. reciprocal. Cause like the alumni yes. do a ton of work and yeah. then it also gives the alumni work. And like, when I talked to Scott about doing like what he's doing now is he's just kind of like, I just like, I like to do this cause it's fun and it's something to do. Like I I'm still young. I don't yeah. like to sit at home all day. Like a lot of them want something to do. And the Flyers give them all jobs. I mean, you could, I, for
1: for non-Philly or non-hockey people, what, like, talk a little bit about Scott and what he's doing and kind of a little backstory on it. Gotcha.
2: Sorry. So Scott Hartnell used to play for the Flyers, um, was actually on the team that made that run to the Stanley Cup final in 2010. (laughs) Um, He was like on the team in my like prime hockey watching era of like, you know high school those were the days. college you know uh and then now he's our analyst on flyers pre and post game and intermission lives um and Scott's just awesome like he's such a character around the nhl if you look up scott i'm sure you recognize the hair he's the guy who like brought the hulk hogan salute to the nhl and um yeah
1: hilarious he's just
2: awesome and he's, and he's funny sometimes i wish that i could capture the moments off air that he says because he's he's funny as hell and then you know on air everybody's like trying to be more polished and I'm just trying to like drive the train off the tracks as hard as I can every single show because yeah. I think it adds something that's like that well every time Jonesy comes on he does it for me he's just like oh. script light it on fire Let's yeah. talk about something else. <laughs> um but yeah Scott's awesome and so basically he retired he didn't retire that long ago like a few years ago and he was just like I want something to do. And so he works for NHL network as well, but he works on flyers pre and post game um, with me, most games it's him or Al Morganti and Al Morganti a gem as well. Oh so um, I just get yeah. like
0: giggly thinking. Blessing,
2: yeah, you're like, and... And... Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting
1: though, when you talk about the flyers, because I have a quick little tidbit, but before that, um, you're right. A lot of the alumni do end up staying here and being involved. And we've talked, I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast, but Natalie and I have definitely talked about it off air where I just feel like in other sports players leave immediately. It's like, they're almost run out of town. Like Donna McNabb ran out of town, you know, Ryan Howard ran out of town, like where it's the flyers. They're like, welcome to stay. And maybe it's because they're always kind of like the fourth team in, in the, you know, the rank of Philly. And so the fans love them, but like overall, it's not as intense. And so they have a little bit of like a, there's more love or there's just, it, it's not as the scrutiny isn't as, as intense. So they I think- feel the love more compared to the other sports. where like, as soon as their time in Philly is up, they literally leave immediately.
0: I think, the- I think if you love a, like, If you're a beloved flyer for whatever reason, at whatever time, like you're beloved forever, which is why like Scott Hartnell can come back and everyone's like, you know, Hartnell down. And then, and then like everybody will like cheer and be like, yeah, you like, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Why is that though? Why isn't it like that? The other, I also
2: think it's a different, I think a lot, I think there is some overlap, like there's four for four Philly fans, Yeah. you know, whatever. But I do think there are people who are flyer. They are flyer people. They are hockey people. They are flyer people. And I think that they like just really do, if you give effort to the city, they really do love you. I think the other thing, and Daryl Morey can stick this in pipe and smoke it, is that as much as you know, you want to talk about the blue-collar hockey thing, I think hockey players just work their ass off. And it's incredibly evident all the time in the way the game is played and the types of injuries people sustain. And they'll I mean Matt Nisman like had his nose like ripped into three pieces and got it sewed so up and played the third period. And there's a certain amount of respect that comes with, like, they just didn't work hard to get here. They're not just highly skilled. They also, like, really do completely put their bodies on the line and don't complain about it that people respect. I, and I just – I do think there is something to – Flyer fans are protective of Flyers. Like, because I think that they – a lot of people, a lot of hockey fans um, are – kind of irritated by the idea of like niche sport this or you know, whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if we're your niche sport, we don't need you here. We we can fill this the arena with just the fans that we already have. And the, I think they're kind of protective. They're like, if you don't know what icing is, like don't have an opinion on our players. Or if you don't know what, you know, why Nolan Patrick got called it got called for boarding, but it was kind of word fixes against Mark Freeman last night. Like Yeah don't don't sit here and and pound on patty like and and there there's a certain amount of like territorialness i think that protects um the flyers from the kind of like scrutiny extra stray opinions because with the eagles like i have friends who basically you know like go to xfinity for the social aspect of watching an Eagles game but don't watch a single down of Eagles football and then all of a sudden they're like oh my god like Carson needs so much more protection and like it's not his fault he doesn't have weapons and blah 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 and I'm like did you were you listening to like Natalie in the car on like (laughs) like is that what just happened because I've had this conversation with Natalie and I I know you didn't watch the game yeah um (laughs) right you don't really get that with Flyers fans like either be in and know what you're talking about. And when you know what you're talking about, you tend to have more, I think, respect for most of the people involved, not everyone involved, but like, I think the deeper, the closer you are to an organization, the more you kind of, you, you realize, you know, all the effort that goes into things and it makes you more respectful, I guess, of the product and the people who create the product. Um, And Flyers fans just really are, like Flyers fans are like close to the organization. Like they care about the entire organization. Like you could walk on the concourse and someone would talk to me about like Cam York, who's a, you know, who's a top draft pick for the Flyers, but who's playing at Michigan right now. And they know all his numbers, like all the stats this year. Um, That's I think how Flyers fans are like, they're really in it. And when you're in it, I think you tend to be protective of your people from outside yeah voices um but I also think that's why like when I came back and I got into hockey it was a little bit intimidating at first because it was like while I was very much like a Flyers person my whole entire life I didn't want Flyers people to feel like who is this broad where does she come from why is she here why is she talking to me about my boys because that's the thing is like a lot of times you're on Flyers Twitter people are talking about like my guys my boys my team, my whatever, um, and it's in a very kind of like mama bear, papa bear kind of way. Yeah, I kind of. It, I, that was just, my
1: thought. It's interesting how different it is, especially from somebody like me who's not in the hockey. In fact, it's just really funny because when I came to Philly and I first was an intern, um, my boss at the time was her best friend. Was like, "Hey, she needs a babysitter," um, and. It ended up being Bobby Clark's grandkids. And, like, I had no idea who Bobby Clark was at the time because, like, I didn't grow up with hockey. And so, like, I babysat his grandkids and and I, like, drove to the house. And, like, people were, like, freaking out. And, like, he came home and we were just, like, hanging out. And they're like, what was he like? I was like, I don't even know who this man is. (laughs) But now, obviously, that I've been in Philly for as long as I have and I know the sports, I was just like, oh, that was, like, a cool – that's a cool little sports tidbit. Yeah. And his grandkids have to be – I mean – and mean, Stony are probably in their like almost 20 at this point. Um because it was like a long probably they're at least like 18, 19, maybe even older than that. Um but anyway, it was just like a very it was like a very fun tidbit, which um so who's your prediction for the NHL finals?
2: Oh man, I don't even. It's so tough because like Natalie and I
1: called the Super Bowl,
0: so we're letting you call.
2: Oh gosh. Um
0: wait why do and- you think my dad just texted me and was like did you see Wayne Gretzky's dad died yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: last night I was like I was- dad I,
0: I haven't seen it yet but he literally just texted me that I, like, and my
1: friend Kim who owns nothing bunk cakes just texted me that Brandon Graham went and picked up a cake for his son's birthday oh.
2: <laughs> Brandon <laughs> Graham's family like, like is so beloved in this household. Like my yeah. boyfriend will send me videos of Brandon Graham's daughter and be like, Look at Brandon Graham's daughter.
1: Dude, Emerson, emerson <laughs> I want Emerson to be on the podcast. I want no, I, no. like I don't let's who cares about Brandon? Let's put Emerson on the podcast. She's my favorite. And Bryson, and his son, it the only reason I know this is because one of my best friends, her son has the same birthday, and Bryson, um, just turned two today, so I was like, "Oh my god, you could be friends with Brandon Krem's son." But he, like Emerson's, like Brandon, were like they're super smiley and cute, and Bryson is like his wife, Carlin, who's just like, "Get away from me!" And he's <laughs> like, "It's so adorable." And so he, nothing bunk cakes if you've never been there. And even weirdly enough, Kim, who own, Kim Wright, who owns nothing bunk cakes, she's a she's a hockey mom. She has four boys, and they're all obsessed with hockey. And they all play in like leagues where she'll like travel to Ohio for the weekend yeah. and, like, and her, I hope she has a lot of money
2: because it's know. expensive sport. Oh, oh yeah. But,
1: it, but it's the, uh, it's the nothing monk kinks. We're paying for her son's hockey. So maybe they'll be on the flyers, but yeah, it's so weird that like, we're having this hockey conversation and then like, anyway, so go ahead. We got to. <laughs> you need to give us your prediction.
2: So this is what's tough because the right now the NHL is only playing divisionally through the entire regular season so the flyers only play teams in the east right the canadian teams only play each other the teams in the west only play each other and all the you know people in the middle and um so it makes it tough because you don't watch every single team um
1: i but feel like done. i have
2: to pick the flyers in the east like oh I you feel are like, okay all right i feel like i can't not like okay. i don't know is that wrong no no, it's not
0: wrong because they're, they're actually like contenders this year, Yeah. you know, like, wait, and I know that we're going really long, but I have one more question and it's just about, it's just about the game last night. So this is going to air last week. So last night Flyers come back, um, win the game. It was like insane, but what, what is up? Did, did Mar- did Friedman, like, does he have like pictures of somebody's mom? Like, what's the deal? Like, why? <laughs> I,
2: can I, I'll be, I mean, I Is don't care. Just, like, I'll short... the beans here. I, I, I don't think he was particularly well liked. And what? I had to fly home from Tampa with him one time. It was me, our um, associate producer and him. And we all opted to leave Tampa a night early because I had to get home for like, I think like a bridal shower or something. Yeah. And I, the, the vibes were not good from him they were not good from him last year this is last year and so when that happened last night I was not surprised and he ran after Nolan Patrick all night right.
0: yeah so I, yeah. I was just like I, I mean like clearly there must have been like some sort of like beef but I was like damn he
2: he was big I, I was vibes, like, big vibes.
0: okay yeah. I, I just thought like maybe it was like former you know like former teammate hazing like you know how, like you know you give them like an extra little shelf but like That was like intentional.
2: He was trying to run up on Patrick a lot, I think. And, um, you know, and we, and it's tough because we're not there in person. So we miss stuff. So I don't know exactly an initiation reaction kind of thing. He was trying to run up on Patrick a lot, which I personally think is like bullshit because it's like, don't run up on the guy with migraine disorder. I know he's the NHL. Mm -hmm. I know that he opted to play this year, but like no. Like if you want to fight somebody, Nico Bait Cubel used to actually play with you and he's more of like right. a dude than Nolan Patrick is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it just but then the the hit where he actually got like knocked out, he was trying to hit Patrick. Yeah, and Nolan Patrick, who by the way is like not a big guy, like he's Nolan Patrick's not like thick. He's like a kind of like a thinner but athletic he, guy. He, 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 like, Nolan like... Patrick just stood up to brace for impact and Mark Freeman like Popped off of him, and you know what? That's it was definitely doing too much. Yeah. And I hope that he's okay. I hope his head's okay. But Elaine Vino in the post game was not apologetic about no. him at all, which I think is all you need to know. Okay. He's like, it's hockey. Um, hard hits happen. Like,
0: right? It is. I because I was like, I was like, this is. I was like, this is something, but like, there's something else there. So that's, I, I don't, don't
2: think his old teammates were super huge fans. Um, and okay. I am not a super huge fan myself. So okay. I, he's, since he's been in Pittsburgh, he's talked about how much he's loved Pittsburgh a million times.
0: He if never People said that, who yeah.
2: love Pittsburgh don't love Pittsburgh as much as Mark Friedman seems to love Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's like a petty, uh, shady, bravo, Real Housewives of New Jersey kind of vibe to those press conferences. Oh my and god, so- I
1: love it! I love how we're bringing. This is why this podcast is what it is. Because did we you hear them- about what Evans is? It's a gem. It's like very uh, Teresa yes. kind of like stirrup. We bring shit. the how house- we relate the housewives to sports because at the end of the day, and this is why people don't talk about it enough, is that it it it's it's petty bullshit. Oh but yeah, all of it.
2: They're little housewives. Chickens, you know? Housewives is the sport of social manipulation and life. So, yeah. you know, the game ends, the clock comes to zero and those guys walk away. No, no, no. Housewives, you play playing all day, every day until filming ends. And then you go back to the reunion and you visit it all. I think, oh my God, I could do a Sports Housewives podcast every single day of the week. Yeah, um, that's
1: what I want. I want more of the nitty gritty. I want to know like, why, like who doesn't get along and like, what's the beef? And is it Most just, of like- the
2: guys, like the, the locker room this year is really, really good. I'll say the locker room two years ago, the season that was really bad, like 2018, 2019, it wasn't that it was bad. There was no like cancer in the locker room, like what, um, you know, what Chris uh, and Malcolm Jenkins were talking about. It wasn't like that. But there wasn't like Kevin Hayes' importance to the Flyers locker room is massive because when they were bad and they were struggling in 2018, 2019, it felt heavy every day. Like you walked in and it felt heavy. And you knew the coach was going to get fired at some point. So that's part of it. And then, you know, Ron Hextall ended up getting fired before even the coach got fired.
1: Like um, like how he should have been fired before Doug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, it's a hockey podcast. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> well, no, no,
2: you're 100% right because, it, okay, so okay, I know we're running long, but Dion Sanders did a podcast and he was talking about it too. And he was like, "If you're gonna fire your coach, fire your GM. What's the point of keeping one and keeping the other? Yeah, if you're gonna fire your GM, you have to kind of like fire the coach or have the coach re-interview with the GM in private, and then let the GM make the decision." yeah but there's no like if you're going to do it really do it because your GM's always going to hire some iteration of what he's already hired or try to yeah and your coach is always going to be the coach he is and the GM's gonna have to try to adjust to him and very rarely does that work and when Ron Hextall got let go I know he's a beloved flyer and it looks like he's a genius now because Mark Freeman scored last night and picked him up off waivers but like you can't, you couldn't just fire Dave Haxtell because Ron was still going to run the organization how yeah. Ron was going to run it and he was probably going to hire some other version of that. Um, well, who knows? But he, he still would have run it how he's going to run it. And I think with the, the, it felt like it was time to start pulling the trigger more on these young players who were being, you know, the Carter parts of the world, the Oscar Lindblom's so of the world, Travis Sandheim's the Bill Sandheim, Myers, like all these young players who turned out to really bloom and blossom. Um, so yeah, no, you're, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. You have to, I, I never understand when you only fire one clean house, get rid of everybody and start again. If you really want to start again, start over. But it's like, if you if you mess up the cookie dough and then you dump more sugar in it, it doesn't fix the cookie dough. The cookie dough is still screwed. Like
0: yes, that's, that's great analogy. That's a great analogy. That's going on a quote. <laughs> yes. That's a, that's the quote of all analogies
2: quotable. are like, they're like, what's your secret talent? I'm like, Analogies. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like though, and, and I know we got to go, but I feel
1: like there, since there's so many Canadians, do like when people fight in the locker room, are they like, oh, you think you're cool? Eh? A? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a lot of, guess, not
2: a lot of Canadians. So are they'll Canadians they'll like, mean? Oh, yeah. Well, they're like, they're polite, but they're not like,
0: they're like shit it? talkers. Yeah. It's, like I feel like they're like shit talkers like they're not like thr- they're like, not- I mean
2: hockey is the sport of violent gentlemen like that's yeah. the joke is about hockey it's I think that they're Canadians are polite like there used to be a rule that media had to get on the plane and like get through baggage claim and stuff or whatever after the players and all the Canadian guys would always like want to hold the door and let me through. I'm a woman. And I'd be like, I can't go. Like, just go Just walk yeah. through the door. Like, I'm thank you, but please just go. Cause yeah. Ron's going to get mad. And, um, they're very polite, but like, no, they would, they don't fight with each other, but like, like in the locker room, they're pretty, I feel like they just see each other so much that you kind of can't teams that fight with each other, you know, they're, like, dysfunctional as hell, like, and it's yeah. very apparent. Flyers haven't had that. Um, but, like, on the ice, when they chirp each other, they say mean shit. Like, they really, they, like, they go after hairlines, facial hair, <laughs> physical appearances. They, they, they get, I mean, like, Scott Lawton said he grew a mustache because he got so much shit about how much his hairline is receding, so he was like, I just need to draw attention somewhere else. Like, I just have to <laughs> <laughs> redirect the <laughs> eyes so
1: um this yeah. was awesome if tell everybody how to find you if you're not already following um her and if you uh,
2: i think my twitter's taryn nbcs maybe my instagram's at taryn not um i'm on the Flyers Talk podcast which i was told to promote um so please listen to the Flyers Talk podcast if you enjoy the hockey portion of this um just as much sass a little bit more pucks involved in that <laughs> one. Uh, That's good too. And then, uh, yeah, and then Flyers pre and post game live. We're on an hour before every show. If it says the warm up, it's also part of pre game. So feel free to tune in for that if you're looking at your listings. And then, yeah, I'm Taryn NBCS on Twitter, and I'm there with. Um, generally, me and Natalie are like Jon Snow swords. Here yes. to right. take on take on all the knuckleheads and that's right
1: it is you really knock them are. down
2: one at a time and put them in their place
0: yes
1: somebody Talks has to might as well be us <laughs> yeah and i'm here to retweet because i'm just not as witty as, as you <laughs> are.
2: i'm sure you are it's just like it's you know what the thing is is that it's if it's in your gut in the moment you just can't insult like looks intelligent or follower count i feel like that's just like you just shouldn't do it anyway yeah but if you can make someone feel stupid without calling them stupid like just by making sense that's really gut punch every that's time the, yeah yeah it's, it's a, like ooh, stats imagine that you yeah know? It's kind of I like know three. I'm gonna work on it I'm gonna go to I'm, I'm like
1: I'm better in person than I am on Twitter but I appreciate the the genius that is Twitter I just Oh, that's why I'm good at the retweets. I said yeah. it on air.
2: I think Twitter's where happiness goes to die. So it does. It's, it's, yeah. It matters.
0: It be a
2: happy, it's, better it's person.
0: The abyss. Which, by the way, all right, everybody, thank you, Taryn. I love you so much. You know that. Yes. Um. All right. Bye. Guys. I Bye. That. <laughs> no flyers.
1: <Woo!
2: laughs> hello, hello.